You're listening to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio, inspiring ideas, inspiring families. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Family Rules, the podcast on BYU Radio. I'm your host, your friend through the airwaves. I hope you think of me that way anyway. Brooke Walker coming to you today with a topic that I Truly can't wait to dive into. I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm so excited, eager to lean in. The topic on the table today is how to build an emotionally resilient family. Now, that's kind of a big sweeping goal, isn't it? Emotional resilience. But let's take it down to our everyday lives, at least as our lives have been shaken out the last several months. Let's just process all that we've been through as a family, as a country even, as a world. There was a pandemic. We all lived through that, a worldwide virus that forced us to hunker down at home. It shut down schools. It shut down businesses and, quite frankly, caused a lot of fear, panic, and anxiety. Your emotions were probably tested this last little while as we all suffered through that together. There was social unrest nationwide, topics like racism, equality. They hit a fever pitch. They were running at an all-time high. That likely caused some emotional stress and anxiety in your in your heart and in your house. I know it did in my household as well. There was an assault on our nation's capital not too long ago, a, a building representing the very heart of our country and, and frankly, our democracy was, was under assault by vandals. Now, all of these situations, they do a couple of things. They leave us feeling anxious, sure. They leave us feeling out of control, frankly, like like it's not within our graphs to solve the problem or fix the issue. And I don't know if it's the female drive, the mo- the mother mentality in me, or if it's frankly the producer the, uh, tapping into my professional side, but there's this feeling like I want to fix it, right? I want to solve it. I want to get it done. And there really wasn't a lot that we could do. I mean, sure, we could mask up. We could wash our hands. We could buy the stock up on the toilet paper and buy the Clorox wipes. As far as the the social unrest we experienced, small things I guess I could do. We certainly looked at our family library. It was small and humble and simple. We cracked open the toy box to make sure there was diversity beyond our own bubble represented in the dolls and the books and the games. It was a small, humble, feeble effort, but I guess something I could do um, with the capital situation, the capital vandalism and all that happened there not too long ago. I mean, I could write a thank you note to my senator, sure. But all of that leaves us feeling a little helpless. And that's where this topic of emotional resiliency comes in. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine. He is a popular public speaker and author, a relationship expert who's been coaching couples and families for more than 20 years. Dr. Matt Townsend wants you to think of every member of your family as an emotional ninja, which that just paints a picture, doesn't it? Emotional ninja. Do we have the skills, the reflexes, the habits to respond to these ever tense situations with peace, with fortitude, with focus? He's going to help us get there, sharing a handful of tools and principles that you can use to shape a family that ultimately is emotionally resilient. I really enjoyed this conversation with my friend, Dr. Matt Townsend, and I think you will as well. How are you, Brooke? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for jumping on with us. You bet. I wouldn't miss it. You're more of a pro at this radio podcast world than I am. Yeah, well, but it's so nice to not have to worry about that end of it. Isn't it, though? You can just sit and talk, and in this case, talk to a good friend. We need to pause, though, and say happy birthday to your beautiful wife, Marty. Yes, it's her 52nd birthday, and 52 is her lucky number and her favorite number since she was a kid. This is so funny to me. 52 is her favorite number? 
Yeah. Like growing up, they'd say, okay, Marty, pick a number. And she'd always pick 52. <laughs> and if she had to, she'd invert it to 25, but she preferred 52. This is going to be no. the best year ever for her then. Yeah. Isn't it weird? It's And so this is, this is it. She's going to have the best birthday because it's her favorite number. And then I said, what's going to happen when you're 53? And she said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> The luck stops at 52. It's all over there. So dinner for Marty. Matt and I were talking, your daughter's taking her out for a facial, which facials are this little secret. We don't realize how tense our face is. Yeah, I, oh, it's a lot of face touching. (laughs) The face massage that comes at the end of that skin treatment is just something everyone should experience. Yeah, that's good. So I'm glad they're doing it. Yeah. I'm just also glad maybe I don't have to be there. Yeah, you can just jump in on the dinner part. I'll eat the dinner. And call it good. Like a, like a massage is one thing, but a face massage. Oh, it's, and it's heaven. All the pores, they're going to do something with their pores and they're going to exfoliate or infiltrate. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, but it's some. Oh, well, everyone needs a facial massage in part because we've been a little stressed lately. Yes. We have been emotionally tried and tested in so many ways. I set up just, just a few of the scenarios we faced in the last little while. There's, I don't know, a pandemic. Have you heard of COVID? <laughs> yeah, I've heard of that. There was that. There was the social en- unrest that our nation experienced tied to really heavy topics like, you know, racism and equality. We, we saw not too long ago an, ass- an assault on our nation's capital. So there's a lot going on yeah. that is out of our control. Right. And do you find that's a key word, Matt, control? When we don't have control is when we start to feel that stress or anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And remember that when you really think deeply about it, we really have very little control anyway, but our minds make us feel like we have a lot more control than we do. And then when these other things start to happen, it, it maybe just shows us that maybe we don't have as much control as we need to or we want to. So there, there really are a lot of... Um, there's a lot of things you can do with your family, with your children, and, and just with yourself to make you be able to manage these emotional times a lot better. You call that skill emotional resiliency. Define yeah. this. What is emotional resilience? So think of think of like a tree, um, a tree that's that's just kind of a young sapling maybe that has to out, be out there in the wind and the wind is blowing the tree. And the wind is, so the the tree's bending with it. It's not just fighting it. It kind of goes with the flow. But as as it's resilient to the wind, a couple of things are happening. It's actually strengthening the fibers of the tree. So the wind is not necessarily its enemy. It's actually making it stronger. And the tree isn't always just fighting against it. It's kind of flowing with the wind. But it's also growing deeper roots. Yes. And the mere fact that you have the the resistance and you have a little resiliency to it and you can bend with it, it helps you grow deeper roots, helps you grow a stronger core. And that's what we need to learn to do emotionally is not fight everything in the world, but learn to just kind of flow with it and go with the flow. I love that analogy. So the wind in this case isn't the trial, it's the teacher. Yeah, it is the teacher. And in any any trial, any emotional conflict, any problem we could run into in this world. And by the way, none of us are getting through without having these. We all have to have them. But I think what we've tried to do a lot of times is, and parents, we're very, we're very guilty of this. A lot of times we try to protect our children from the wind. And then when we finally send them out on their own, they can't handle the wind. So what we want to do is instead of protecting them is build up their resiliency, a few simple traits, a few simple abilities so that they know they can always handle the wind. 
And we'll get into these these traits, these abilities. Before we do, is it a separate conscious effort as a parent? Like, am I setting out to say, okay, I'm going to fortify them against the wind, so to speak? Or can these yeah. lessons come in daily life, in daily family this, practice? Yeah, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't separate this as something different than what you'd normally do. This is just parenting. But what you're trying to do is make sure they have simple principles at their core that and concepts and abilities that just any child needs to have. They're going to come a thousand times in their life. You're going to have a chance to, to, to master this and to facilitate this. So don't think of it as something different above and beyond parenting. This is what parenting is supposed to be. Paradigm number one, we should teach our children, practice in our daily life, punch home the concept that we are not alone in any yep. challenge or any fight. Yeah, a lot of times um, our kids already don't know that they can handle things anyway. But then let's say um, they had to be somewhere and their parents weren't there. They might feel immediately without their parents, they are alone. Mm -hmm. But something we can all do as parents is, uh, and I learned this recently um, about this, this concept called a field of love. Okay. Every family, every human being has around them a huge contingent of people that care for them and love them. Hmm. Whether it's just the family or the grandparents and the extended family or those that have even died and gone on, there's still a field of love. There's still people that are paying attention to them or the teachers in their school or the coaches that care about them or the fellow members of their church or the neighborhood or the other parents of their best friends. There is a field of people that love and care about them. And so I might spend more time as a parent talking to your child about these circles of love that are around them mm. and help them tune into these circles. I love that. Help them talk about the fact that if they have a really interesting question about what they want to do for a career, I have a lot of my boys right now wondering what to do for a career. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, we have a lot of people around us that have education, that have experience, that are doing a bunch of things. Let's, let's dial into that field of love and let's go start using our bigger field of people around us to figure out what's going on and what you could be with your life. I love that. And I love the concept that that, that circle, that field of love expands to even heavenly presence. One of my favorite quotes is from Jeffrey R. Holland, our religious leader of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he said, heaven is cheering you on today, tomorrow, and always. That idea that even our ancestors, even the spirits of those that we knew or didn't, but loved us and were part of our family tree can be part of this, this field You're of there. love. They're also part of the genetic code and the makeup of your children. So going back to your ancestors, learning about their stories, and then telling your children that you're carrying this DNA, you have this resolve inside of you. Go back to your family history and find examples of resiliency, and then say, you're not alone. So as you're facing this trial, great grandpa that did this and this and brought the pioneers across the plains, yes. he's sitting there and you've got that DNA in yes. you. Uh, by the way, another cool part of this um, field of love is it also means that we need to get more into our community. We need to go serve more. We need to care more. We need to get to know our neighbors more. We need more diversity of ideas, more diversity of friendships. And so then we can start drawing on all of these other circles. So that's an activity you could do with your family is when you're sitting there like trying to like having a great dinner, why don't we say, let's get out and walk around the neighborhood. Let's go try to find one more person that we can either add to our field of love or that we can bring the love to. I love that so much. I remember many years ago, I was going through a particularly 10 
standard trial myself. And somebody said, I wish I could remember who it was, but somebody in my circle said at the just right moment when I just needed to hear it, they said, you have an army behind you. Like you have an oh, army behind it. you. And it hit me in, in, in the most personal way. And it was just what I needed to know and feel and yeah. believe in that moment. And now I find myself in those situations where I'm trying to maybe encourage others and I don't know what to say. I find yeah. myself saying that. You have an army behind you and hoping it brings the same peace and strength that it did to me yeah. so many years ago. Well, when you think of how divisive our world is today, this is why this is why you can teach the lesson that the world's too small to divide us. We need to have bigger circles. Yes. We need to allow more people into our world. We need to allow more people into our lives. Instead of shutting the doors and closing everyone out, we need to open doors because by opening them and your ability to connect deeply and richly with other human beings is a way to know you're not alone and that you will survive any trial or problem that comes your way. I know of a lot of families, Matt, who have embraced the mantra, you can do hard things. It's kind of become this catchphrase that we go to. You can do it. You can do hard things. We say it. How can we teach it and show it that our kids, our family can be emotionally resilient and do tough stuff? Well, the number one way is to let them do tough stuff, right? Which is hard. Do hard Ah. stuff. And we, we are horrible as parents, I think, at this. Yes. We step in way too often. Yes. We're the ones finishing their, their, you know, their schedules. We're the ones making sure they are on time to places. We're the ones we need- completing that kindergarten worksheet. I'm not speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst at this. This is, this is what we do. And we think somehow it helps them. But then imagine that your, your parents have always been doing the hard thing for you. And then you are sent away to college. And you're finally a freshman in college and you can't do the hard thing. And so a lot of students, a lot of our youth are running into this moment where they now know they actually think they can't do it because mom never let them do it or Mm -hmm. dad never let them do it. So we want to let them do the hard thing. And sometimes like my son and I, um, we, we're not, I'm not a real, I'm not a guy that loves working in the yard. Let's just put it that way. That was a very I'd rather polite hire way to say. My yard done. <laughs> yeah. But I have all these boys that need to work. And so we had a fence post that was kind of a gnarly tree that they had turned into a fence post in our backyard. And we decided we were just going to go remove it. Like how hard could it be <laughs> to dig a hole and remove a post? Well, yeah. it took us, I don't know, three hours probably oh of just straight digging. Yeah. And just leveraging and doing all, levering this thing. And Finally, um, I can't tell you how many times in my head I was ready to give up. I actually probably would have given up, but my neighbor then got involved. <laughs> you had an audience. Because he's the kind of guy that loves being out there doing that. Yeah. And he was standing over the fence and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to wait till my other sons get home. And when all four <laughs> of us are here, we can just pull it out. Right. And he's like, no, 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 we're, we're right there. Let's just keep going. And so we went for three hours, but I was with one son that was helping at the time and my, when we were done, we felt accomplished. Sure. But my, I could see in my son this belief that, you know what? He can do anything. If we can get this out, and when it finally came out, it was like, did honestly, you, did it you was cry? like, you climbed, yeah, Kilimanjaro. Did you cry so when that we did, we broke down stump crying just popped and then out I just of the earth? Was in the fetal position. <laughs> so we want to allow our kids to do hard things. And yeah. one of the things you could do too is share with your kids more of your trials, the hardest things you've ever done. Mm. Talk about getting that degree and how hard that was. Talk about your third trimester of having a baby when you were bedridden. Talk about these things that were hard. Even talk about the fact that you were sure in your head 
you would never make it and you made it. And then I think just start sharing that part of life is the hardship. Right. Part of life are the hard things. And there's great joy in accomplishing difficult tasks. This next paradigm is one of reassurance to me. You want us to remind and teach and preach to our children. It's two part. You're prepared, first of all. Yeah. And you have a plan. Like that is so reassuring just to think, I'm prepared. I have a plan. I guess you actually have to have the plan then for that yeah. reassurance to set in. Yeah. Do you remember as a kid um, doing the fire drills in school? Yes. And I don't know if you ever did an earthquake drill. Did Under you ever the do desk, we did, yeah. 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 And so the funny thing about those, those drills aren't very detailed. <laughs> like, it's pretty much get under the table and then get out of the building. And kind hope of thing. everything and works out. <laughs> that's right. And just line up and get out of the building. So now there's a lot of things that wouldn't have gone right because like maybe one of the hallways were on fire. And so, but the key to it isn't even necessarily that the plan is perfect. It's just that you have a plan. And once you know you just have a plan, your brain can kind of relax. And then we're going to show in another point coming up that then you can be creative, but just help them have a plan. As an EMT, I was a, it, right in my uh, first few years of college, I was an emergency medical technician on an ambulance. Which I think you would be so good at that. You would be the guy to yeah, keep everybody I, cool, keep it light enough to keep yeah. your head and, and get the job done. I think I, you know I what, see Brooke, you in that I didn't role. have a clue. Okay. I didn't have a clue, oh, but I didn't okay. have an ambulance. I had an ambulance and a really good looking <laughs> uniform. But you, you don't know everything to do, but you do know that when you arrive on a scene, there's like the ABCs. You always got to check airway. You always check breathing. You always check circulation. Yeah. And what was funny about that is I didn't know much, but I knew enough that I knew when I got to the scene, I knew I had to start with A and then I had to go to B and then I had to go to C. And I, I had learned all the way up to like Z, what you can do. But I didn't know a ton about everything. I just knew the process. And so maybe what you could do with your family is to help them feel more emotionally safe is help them have a plan. If, if, about, if they're feeling overwhelmed, where they go, who they can call, what they can do, who they can turn to. Maybe talk about scenarios, especially lately as we're seeing, talk about some emergency scenarios. We had an earthquake in the valley in Salt Lake City and sometimes just having a simple plan of how we're gonna contact each other, who's gonna communicate, where we would meet, what happens if our phones go out and we can't talk? What would we do? Just have these conversations. And then a, another thing to do is to shut your mouth mm-hmm. and then listen for what they're afraid of. And then ask them, what, is, what things do you guys think we need to have some plans on? And then let's sit and make some plans. But let it come from them. Don't poo-poo their ideas. Don't dismiss them. Yeah. Listen to them and then show them that a lot of these plans are going to be the same plan no matter what happens. It's interesting you reference that earthquake here in Utah. There were actually, well, it was one earthquake and then one big aftershock that came shortly yeah. shortly afterward. But they were, they were close in proximity, close in time. And the difference between earthquake one and aftershock slash earthquake two in my home was remarkable. And it wasn't just because we felt it before. We just went through it a week, you know, a week earlier. It was because we knew what to do. And in those seven days between the two events, we had talked about yep. what to do. There was that plan. And and my five-year-old felt it. My husband felt it. I felt it. There was a different calm and peace calm. about our home that second round. Well, and what's so funny about that, Brooke, is that it, it does, that calm is there and it doesn't actually mean you should be calm. 
because you don't know what's coming. Sure. But you are calm because you've done what you can do. So one of the principles of that is when you do the, when you exercise energy and action on the little that you can control, Mm -hmm. you feel more control. Mm -hmm. So always do the little that you can do instead of avoiding it and trying to pretend like that earthquake didn't happen. Right. Do the little that you can do. And anytime you do that, the principle will pay off and you'll have more calmness. After the plan comes the creativity, which you referenced. Yeah. And and, yeah. and we're required to get creative in some of these situations, right? In fact, we're talking about emotional resilience. You also like to think of it as being an emotional ninja, like, hey, yeah, yeah. right? Like, exactly. I'm going to get yeah. in there and do that. That takes some creativity sometimes. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is a lot of people don't necessarily, they're not just born with creativity. A lot of times we think the creative people are just the artists, Uh but creativity is basically the ability to find new ways to do old things. And so one of the ways you can train your kids emotionally to be a little more creative in finding solutions is by having them find solutions. So a lot of kids end up bringing the questions to mom and dad, and because it's easier, we just answer it. But what we might want to do is stop answering and start referring it back to them. I don't know. What have you thought about? Ah. If they say, I don't know how to make my bed on the, on the top bunk because it's, but I don't know. What have you thought? thought It's that restraint, right? That parental restraint. My husband's so much better at this than I am. Even just this morning, trying to get that sippy of chocolate milk, the lid wasn't (laughs) screwing on just right. And and my tendency was to jump in out of efficiency, get it done. And he's over there saying, no, a little softer to the right. It takes that patience, that parenting patience. Well, and if you think about it, so the 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 disability to create an effective child is when we choose efficiency. Mm. You don't create effective children by by making efficient parenting decisions. Sometimes the least uh, effective thing to do is the most efficient thing to do, mm. and that means don't answer the questions for them. Make them look it up. Make them go the extra mile. Ask them what they were thinking. Um, one of the things I've been doing lately, and my boys don't understand it, um, I, so I have a daughter and five boys. The daughter's married, and she's. I, I feel like I don't need to teach her anymore. Till so she comes to me, I just, I'm, I'm just there if she needs me. But my boys are there, so I even little things like changing a tire or fixing a, to- a leaky toilet. I'm trying to bring my boys into the situation. Actually, what I'm even doing now is just delegating it to them. Can you go on YouTube and figure out how to stop that leaky toilet? And I have ideas. I know how to do it, but I don't, I want them to learn how to do it. And what is amazing, they're really good at solving problems and they're really good at using technology to solve problems which gives them confidence. Yeah. Just don't like, we're even like handing over when we go to do family activities, I'm handing it over to my kids. If we're ordering food, I'm having one of my kids order the food and, and we'll go pick it up. So I'm trying to do everything I can to make them use their brains so that in the next few years that are coming up when we're not going to be with them, mm-hmm. they're going to be able to make any decision on their own. And I love these smaller day-to-day examples because this topic at first glance, I mean, emotional resiliency yeah. sounds so big and overwhelming and life-impacting, and it can be, but it's taught in the little moments. I remember when I was a young girl, my mom would have us call our own babysitters. Like, oh. pick up the phone. Oh, what a Hi, Annie. Idea. It's yeah. Brooke. Can you babysit me on Friday? And it was terrifying as a 10-year-old. Isn't that perfect? Yeah, I mean, it was those small communication skills that built the confidence that you talked about that ultimately, yeah. I mean, it, it's little, it's silly, it's small. It's that Friday night phone call. But it amounted to a lot over time. I feel confident in communication. I can, I can ask questions of people or yeah. ask help of others. It builds, doesn't it? 
Look how that turned out, Brooke. Well, now you have uh, now you have all this opportunity out. to talk. Jury's but, out. But, but what's so funny is it, it really is as a parent, it's that simple. Yeah, you can help your kids find solutions that work by letting them find the solution. All right. And you can say, hey, if you don't want to call the sitter, that's fine. You can run down and ask her. Sure. Options. Or you can call her or you can, or what are some other ways we can get the babysitter signed up? Yeah. Okay. We're enforcing that we are not alone. We're enforcing that we can do hard things. We're setting a plan, letting our children know that plan. They feel confidence in that plan. And the creativity we just talked about in finding the solutions will come from that. This final thought, this final mantra is another one of reassurance, I think, and ultimately of peace. You want us to punch home the idea that this will all work out and not just work out, but it's going to work out for good. Yeah. And this is, this is an important one um, because the research is pretty clear that if, if a researcher just followed you every day they would find kind of neutrally three positive things happening to you for every negative thing that happens to you. So abundant life is abundantly more positive. But if you start to see life as kind of dangerous and more negative, then you're going to find all of the negative things. When we reassure our children that it's going to work out, yeah, it, it always works out. Even if, even if grandpa died of COVID, we're all going to be fine and we will love him and we will miss him and it will work out. It always does. And so one of the benefits of this is help your children start to find the silver lining. Help them start looking for the thing to be grateful for. Start finding the signs where they, remember how you didn't make that cheer squad? Do you remember? So tell me how that worked out in the end and help them find that it did work out because you went on a different squad and you made more friends. And because of that, you met so-and-so and and now you've got a best friend. Help them find the silver lining. And um, it's not an easy thing, but it is something that every day, as you kind of gather your family, if you're having a family prayer at night, if if you're just trying to calm everyone down, you could ask them every day to find the silver lining. Where is... Where's the good? Where did you find blessing today? Where did you find the goodness today? And and if you start to tie those down every day, you'll start to create this history, almost this fabric of a history of where it all it always works out for good. Even if it doesn't work out for the good you thought, and there really is some powerful insight that we can get from um uh, C.S. Lewis used to teach that it's it's better to look for the given good than the expected good. Oh, I love A lot that. of us have expectations of what we should get out of life, yeah. but it's better to actually just go for what you've been given. The given good. And then when you find that when you're just accepting the given good that happens every day to you, right. you're, you don't have the expectation. So you don't, you're not as disappointed, but you're always able to find something that has been given and has been landing in your lap. I'm going to be thinking about that phrase, the given good, as we set out to raise emotional ninjas. Ninjas. Yeah. Ninjas. I like yeah. that. I like that. This topic of emotional resiliency is an inspired one, especially now as we talked about the anxiety waters rising. It also goes hand in hand with another topic that you so appropriately were working on long before all of the social unrest and the pandemic and everything we've talked about, and that is anxiety. And you found, uh-huh. you've created this program that helps people find peace through the anxiety. Tell us more about this. So what it was, for years, I've been helping couples just communicate and solve problems. And what I found at the root of a lot of our most important relationship problems is a lot of us have anxiety and anxiety is going up and up and up. And so I built a program called Fast Track to Peace. 
I'm actually writing a book that's called The Road to Peace. The Road to Peace is, is the opposite road to anxiety. And a lot of us are on the road to anxiety, watching tons of cable news, stressing ourselves out, going crazy. And I, I built this program. And as I've been writing the book, I've, I've, got, I've just felt like I've got to get it out to people. So Fast Track to Peace is an email program. If you go to matttownsend.com, you can look for Fast Track to Peace. Um, and what it is, is I'll send you an email a day, which will give you a brand new tool, a new solution every day to manage your anxiety and to, to really bring peace back into your life. And piece by piece, you start to realize that a lot of our anxiety in life are habits. They're things, they're assumed necessities, things we assume have to be a certain way. Right. And once we remove a lot of these assumptions and, 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 you know, shore them up with a lot more, um, principle, uh, a lot of the anxiety goes away and the peace can be felt in your hi- your home and in your life. It's such a needed message. Fast Track to Peace is the name of the program. You can get more information at matttownsend.com. I love you. I love this conversation. Too, so needed right now. Thank you so much, Dr. Matt Townsend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Today's topic, raising emotional ninjas, is how we've casually been referring to it. But at, at large, raising a family that's emotionally resilient. Hopefully this conversation was helpful to you as it was to me. If if this conversation resonated with you, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast, Family Rules the Podcast on BYU Radio. You can also rate and review. We'd love to hear your feedback. We take that to heart and we appreciate you jumping in to our chat today. We hope to see you next time as well. Thanks for listening. Family Rules the Podcast is a production of BYU Broadcasting.